So happy March. How's everybody doing? You all right? Yeah, great to see those of you who are here in the room, those of you who are worshiping with us online. We're really thankful that you're with us. Um, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here. And it's my privilege most weeks to be here with you in this environment. Uh, March, like we are in March, can you believe it? So this is, this is the month of spring break. So like we have hope. And they are starting to play summer songs on the radio. So I don't know if you're paying attention to these things, but it is, it is coming. So it's, it's really good. Hey, um, if you're new here, would you do us a favor? We'd love it, whether you're in the room or whether you're online. If you're new, we'd love to know that you're, that you're here and you're checking us out. Um, we have a Connect card for those of you here in person. You can stop at the welcome desk on the way out. Those of you who are worshiping with us online, you can let the host know that you're worshiping or you can hit the Connect button and fill out a Connect card online as well. And so we'd love to be able to connect you or at least connect with you so we can answer some questions for you, maybe see how we could help you um, be a beautiful thing. Great thing about this church is the people. So um, preparing for our time together this weekend, I was reading through the Bible passage that we're gonna be talking about and I came across this little phrase from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse two. It, was, it started as intriguing to me and, and then it became encouraging to me. And so I, I wanna read this phrase for you. We'll put it on the screen. Now is the time of God's favor. So the way that's written, it, it's true today, not just at the time it was written. Because these words were first written back in the mid-50s, probably, maybe as late as 60 AD, so, you know, centuries ago. But it's, it's written like it's as true today as it was in the day that it was written. And I got to thinking about that. I'm like, like really? Now is the time of God's favor of, you know, I mean, March of 2022 is the time of God's favor. Are we aware of the things that are going on in our culture, in our world, in our individual lives? And I know the news isn't all bad, but, but are we, like, is this really the time of God's favor? And, and so I've been exploring that and reading through and trying to figure all this out. And, and what I wanna do to our time together today is I just wanna unpack this for us a little bit. I wanna, I wanna talk about how this is the time of God's favor and how you and I can experience that. And this is a communion weekend for us. And so towards the end of our time together, we're gonna take communion. So if you have the elements, those of you here in the room, they're at the back. And those of you who are online, if you grab some bread and juice, closest thing you've got to it. But this, this really is the time of God's favor. And, and so what we've done is like we're jumping back into this study that we started way back in August, it's of 2 Corinthians. We call this study verified because this letter of 2 Corinthians is about things that are true. I think things that have, been, that have been put to the test and found to be true. Even if on the surface it doesn't look like they're true, that this is the time of God's favor. But when you look a little closer or when you wait a little longer, the things that are offered to you and to me in this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote so many years ago, 2 Corinthians, like this stuff is true. And, and you can bank on it and you can live like it's true and experience what God wants you to experience because these things are true. So today, I get to give to you this amazing news 
that, that this is the time of God's favor. So to do that, to help us understand a little bit about, about how a time like this could be the time of God's favor, I wanna frame this in this little tool. You might have seen it before. It's a, I learned it in a time management seminar of all places. So it's, it's Stephen Covey's urgent, important quadrants. If you've, some of you have seen this, you've used this in other areas of your life, and I'm just gonna frame our conversation of these things today. And so I'm, just, I'm gonna take this from like the big picture of, and I'm gonna use my life as an example. So, so if I were to fill out in my life, you know, the first quadrant there are the things that are important and urgent. So then, you know, the next line over there are the things that are important, but they're not urgent. And then that bottom grid there is the things that are not important, but urgent, and the things that are not important and they're not urgent. And so I just kinda, I kinda put all this together for, for me. And, and I would bet that we're similar, at least in a lot of ways, and so the things that I've got on the screen, you'd, you'd at least put these things on the screen, right? Somewhere if you were filling this out for you. So for me, the things that, just this is my natural bent, my natural bent. Things I would put in that urgent and important. This is the stuff I know it's important and I, like, I pay attention to it. So for me, that'd be work and school kind of stuff, my family, my personal health, our financial stability. Those are the things that, that, you know, that urgent and important, I'm aware of them and I'm engaged with those things. In that urgent but not important category, for me, it was a struggle, but I put watching sports. But you see how close to the line I put it in, it's almost in the important category, but like really, in the grand scheme of things, you know, like the big picture of life, it's, it's probably not important to the degree that those other things are. And then, you know, my life, most, me, most media, social media, that kind of stuff, news. I'm not a news junkie. That, that for me is it's stuff that it, it, is, it is in your face, it is making noise all the time. It is demanding attention, but I've just kind of looked at that stuff and said, you know, that's, it is urgent. Somebody's trying to make it urgent for me, but it's, it's not important. And then over that not urgent side of things, in, in my list, um, this is stuff that's important, but it just, like it doesn't seem to make it to the top of my natural bent. It doesn't seem to make it to the top of my to-do list, so home and car maintenance. I just am not a fan of that stuff. I know, you gotta keep your house and you've gotta keep your car if you want things to stay working and in good condition and all that, but it's just, like, it's just not me. And so I'm, I have a reading list that I try to read through and reading is, like it's important. It's important for your mind. It's important for, you know, to stay engaged and have a reading list and it doesn't always make it to the top of my to-do list. Here's where it gets a little, for my natural bent, and maybe you'll identify with this, my relationship with God, I know, like I know it's important. And all that other stuff that is important and urgent seems to get to the top of my list before that relationship with God piece does. And, and then that representing Jesus, talking more, not just about my relationship with God, but living that out, living that out in in community, in relationship with other people here at the church and beyond in our community. Those things, I know they're important. Just they don't, it, 
my natural bent is those things aren't urgent in my life. And then that last quadrant, that quadrant four, the not urgent, not important stuff, you know, just checking the mailbox. If, if Marie's out of town and she asks me, like she's been gone since Sunday, she'll ask me on Thursday or Friday, did you get the mail? And my answer's most likely gonna be no, unless I'm waiting for something for me. But like, no, um, I, didn't, I don't get the mail, phone calls from people not in my contacts. If I don't have your phone number, you're just gonna go straight to voicemail. My phone's set up that way. Those are the kinds of things that fall into all that. And so, so you see how this thing works. And I'm, I'm betting if you filled this out for yourself, there's similar stuff. So, so here's the problem with, with this. Here's the problem with this. Because if you look at this, you'd, you'd tweak it a little bit and say, well, I mean, it's good that you have your, your work and your family and all that stuff over important, urgent things. But if you think about this from God's perspective, if, you just, if we just look at this from God's perspective, what am I saying to him? okay. I'm saying to him, like, okay, I, I see you, I hear you, I know you're there, I'll get to you in a little bit. I'll get to you when this other stuff is done. I'll get to you when, right? I mean, so if you look at this from God's perspective, from God's perspective, when, when this is how you fill out the boxes, God looks at this deal and God says to me, hey, our relationship's messed up. Our relationship is not just, our relationship is broken. When you put me in the box that says, not urgent, not a first thing, our relationship is broken. And so, so maybe you look, at, you look at something like this and, and you, you would fill it out a little differently, this relationship with God, this living that out in your life. You know, maybe you would put it down in that urgent but not important category. And what I mean by that is like, you're gonna say, okay, it's urgent because your parents or your spouse or your pastor won't leave you alone about it. You know, somebody's like, somebody is in your face about it, but for you, you're like, eh, I got, I got way more important things to do. And, and you, just, you just drop it down there and yeah, somebody is harassing the life out of me about this thing, but I don't, like, I don't care that much about it would you just walk to God's side and look at that and see, like, that's a problem. Like, that, that'd be a problem from God's perspective that you would look at him and say, hey, you're not important. These other people think you're important enough to just to always be notifying me that I need to engage with this, but you're, from my perspective, you're, you're not important. This isn't important. And, and maybe, I mean, we're at church, but, but maybe you would just say, hey, I'm here because somebody invites me and, but really in the grand scheme of my life, like this God stuff doesn't come up. And you know, when I sit and think and whatever, so just, I'd write him in that not urgent, not important category. And again, if that's you, if you think about that from God's perspective, what, what I'm saying is like all of us, all of our relationship with God is broken. Just our natural bent, our natural bent where we go naturally our relationship with God is a mess and we've made it that way because of where we put him and we're not the first people to do this. I mean, this is, this is the human condition. The human condition is for, like all the way back to our first parents, Adam and Eve, to look at God and put him somewhere else other than where he deserves to be and where he wants to be in your and my life and 
and to say to him, nah, I'll, I will get to you when I can, or, oh, I wish they'd leave me alone about you, or, yeah, not interested in you. Like, when you look at it from God's perspective, it's, we've, we've all broken our relationship with him. Which is where this, this statement, for me, this statement, now is the time of God's favor this is, this is where that really blossoms into good news. Because that statement's not, that's, that's not just a statement about like, hey, the world's a mess out there with all the different things that are happening and our lives have drama and chaos in them and this isn't, fa- like that isn't favor from God. There's, there's favor that comes to people like you and me from God. And, and I think this, there's this beautiful little statement that God makes, it's in Isaiah chapter 65, verse two. He says, this is all day long, all day long. I've held out my hands to obstinate people, (laughs) to obstinate people who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations. So I think this is a cool image of, of God all day long holding out his hands. Not like, he's, not like he's wanting to give you something holding out his hands, but like, like come to me. You know, no matter, no matter where you write my name in those boxes on that, you know, just that little tool that we're using for thinking through this today, you, you can come to me all day long. I'm holding, God says this, all day long I'm holding out my hands to, and then he's just real honest about how we are obstinate, stubborn people that like we're just we're just really committed to doing it our way. You know, our natural bent, the way that we we tend to go, we are super committed to doing it that way. And we're just gonna beat our head up against that wall until like who knows, till God intervenes. All day long I'm holding out my hands to obstinate people who walk in ways that are not good. Who walk in ways that are not good. The way that you and I tend to walk, our natural bent, the way we live our lives, God looks at that and he says, uh-uh, that is not good. And not, I don't think he's saying that like, you know, like bad person, not good. I think he's looking at it saying, I'm holding out my hands to you. And you're so stubborn and you, you keep walking this way that is not good for you, you're pursuing your own imaginations, your own thoughts, your own ideas about about maybe who God is, about how to have a relationship with him, about who you are, about how you're supposed to engage with the world around you. Like all day long, you and I, we walk in ways that are not good, pursuing our own ideas, and we are stubborn about that, and God just, come to me, come to me. You're welcome here. That's the day of God's favor. This is the day of God's favor that, that people like you and me who are looking at God, the creator, the life giver, and saying no to him, he is looking at us and saying yes. Yes, you can come to me all day long. He's holding out his hands to people like us. The last weekend in January, Pastor Greg talked about this. He talked about God as our heavenly father and his generosity 
towards us and, and how he, he is always in a welcoming posture towards us. And if, if you didn't hear that message, I, I think you should go back on our website and listen to that message because it was, it was encouraging and it was just this beautiful picture of who God is and who you and I can be in response to his generosity because all day long, like all day long, he holds out his hand to these stubborn and obstinate people, people who, people like me who put him in quadrant, that second quadrant, I'll get to you when I get to this other more important stuff. People like maybe some of you who say, man, just, I wish, I wish they would leave me alone. People are, I just, I have not. We're standing here with our arms folded towards him. And he's, he's got his arms open to us. So the Apostle Paul, right in this, 2 Corinthians chapter five, verses 19 and 21, talks about this a little bit more. He says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that idea of being reconciled, that's, that flows out of the fact that your relationship, my relationship with God is broken. It just from, from his perspective, you may, you may look at it and say, eh, it's not great, but it's not whatever. You know, that apathy that you and I tend to in our relationship, like that apathy about who God is or about what he has or wants for you, that, like that's, that's, that's a sign of a broken relationship from God's perspective. It's this idea of being reconciled is, like, that's when two people who are, when their relationship is broken and really when they're at odds, if you wanna take it to its extreme, people who are enemies with each other, they, they come back together, not, not just like shake hands, you know, when you, the nine-year-olds are in a fight and at the end you make them shake hands and they are, and walk away from each other, but like, coming back together with arms around each other in deep connection, that God was reconciling the world, all of us, to himself in Christ, and this is the day of God's favor because in Jesus, he's not counting our sins against us. That's astounding. That, that I could write his name in the yes, you're important, but no, I don't have time for you, box. And he is willing to not, like he, he, he would not count that against me in Jesus. That in Jesus, he's not counting my sins against me and how all that, like how all that happens is that God made him, and he's speaking about Jesus here, God made him who had no sin. So, so Jesus is the son of God and God the son, and he takes on human flesh and he comes to live among us and every, every moment of his life, his relationship with God, walking out God's will and God's desire for his life was like, that was the top at every moment. And, and every time God looked at Jesus, God the Father looked at Jesus, 
it was like, you are my beloved son, with you I'm well pleased. The people who lived around Jesus got to hear it a couple times, but, but God was constantly speaking that over and about Jesus. And so, so God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, which is the cross. This is why Jesus died on the cross. He died a criminal's death. That's the way the Roman government, who's in charge at the time of Jesus when he lived, that's why they, that's why they executed criminals. So he died a criminal's death. It's the middle of the day, Jesus is hanging on the cross and he, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, the answer to that question is because Jesus had your sin, my sin, on him. That's, God turned his back on his son, whom he loved, with whom he was well pleased, because Jesus was carrying <laughs> your sin and my sin, because God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Jesus, we get to become the righteousness of God. And so, so there's this great exchange that happens in these reconciliation moments of like we get, to, we get to give our sin to God and he gives Jesus' righteousness to us. All day long, he holds out his hands to people like you and me to welcome us deep into relationship with him. And this Jesus' death on the cross, I mean, it's, it's absolutely necessary because God can't, he can't look at my, he can't look at my posture towards him of, yeah, you're important, but I'll get to you later. He can't just look at that and brush that aside. He, he just, he can't do that. He, he's, he's just, and so that's gotta be dealt with. And, and so, Jesus died on the cross to deal with that. So, so God's not just brushing stuff aside. He's, he's taking care of it. So when, when he reconciles us to himself, it's a true reconciliation. So all the stuff that was in the way has been taken care of and has been removed. And, and so you and I can, like we get to come to him and there's nothing in between, like we just get to come to him. Now the flip side of that, that no, or the someday maybe, that you and I were saying to him, we can't just, we can't just brush that aside. Like we can't just, we can't just say, eh, you know, that doesn't matter. It matters, it's, it's a big deal from God's perspective and so you and I can't, we can't just brush that aside. And so we get to participate in this reconciliation too and it is, it's, in that, it's in that coming to him and, and acknowledging that okay, I have been saying no to you. I have been saying no to you. Because if you're like me and you've been, like your natural bent is just the not yet, it's not a no. Right, from my side, it's not a no. But at some point you gotta recognize, like, it is too a no. It's an, I say no. It's a, if I'm saying not yet to God of the universe, 
giver of life, my creator, if I'm saying not yet to him, that's a no. So, so I can't just, like, I have to acknowledge that and recognize that, that he's saying yes to me. I've been saying no to him. I gotta change my response. Right, so he's speaking, he's speaking yes over me, and I hear that yes, and I acknowledge that no, and, and I, my answer is now yes, and I come back to him, come back to him, and receive this, this forgiveness, this not holding my sins against me, and this, this reconciliation, this restoration of relationship that he offers to us. So, so we're gonna linger in this reconciliation that God offers to us for a couple of minutes. We're just gonna linger in it through communion. So the band's gonna come back out. And I mean, Jesus gave us this communion ceremony to linger in this reconciliation that, that he became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. And what communion does for us is it takes, it takes what happened so many years ago and, and it's more than words on a page. You know, in communion, you get, to, you get to smell and feel and taste and like physically experience this reconciliation that God offers you. And so, so there, those of us who've, who've said yes already to this reconciliation that, that God has offered to you in Jesus, this, you, you've acknowledged your no, you've heard his yes, you've said yes back to him. I think this is a great moment just to enjoy that again, to appreciate that again, to, to live in that and linger in that that forgiveness that he would not hold your sins against you. This is a great moment for that. And maybe for those of you who've never done that, like you're, you're still living in that, what, where you naturally go. You know, you just, but okay, I'll get to it later, or man, I wish they'd leave me alone, or I don't even care. To, maybe today you've seen your posture from God's perspective and recognized that you have a broken relationship with the life giver. It's not a good thing to have a broken relationship with the life giver. We're stubborn people who walk in ways that are not good. Not, this is not a good, to have a broken relationship with the life giver means you miss out on the life he wants to give you. This abundant life, is what the Bible calls it in, in this life and eternal life, in the life that is to come. You, you miss out on that stuff if your posture is no to the life giver. So the band's gonna sing this song, and this is your moment. This is, this is your moment to just to enjoy this day of God's favor over you, and if, and if you need to, like this is your moment to, to hear God's yes over you, to acknowledge to him your no, 
and, and to say yes back to him and, and to come back to him. So let the band sing the words of this song over you. And as, just let God say what he wants to say to you in these moments. And then after this song's over, I'll come back and we'll take the elements of communion together. Son of God, you all is innocence. You're walking in the dirt with you and me. He knows what living is, he's acquainted with grief. Then a sorrow, some suffering, blood and tears. Is it God who weeps? Is it God who bleeds? We'll praise the one who'd reach for me. Hallelujah to the Son of suffering. So imagine you. Distance and remove you chase us down in merciful pursuit to the sinner you were grace and the broken you embrace in the end the proof is in your
So if you'll take your communion elements. Right before he went to the cross, Jesus had this meal called the Passover meal with his closest group of guys, his closest friends, followers. In that meal, he took a piece of bread and he broke it. He told them that this bread is my body, which is broken for you. Because... From God's perspective, we have a broken relationship and that doesn't just get brushed aside. So bread, Jesus says, is his body, which is broken for us. So we're to eat this in remembrance of him. You eat the bread. So later in that meal, he took a cup and he told him, this, this cup is my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. God made him who had no sin to be sin so that in him we could be the righteousness of God. So this cup, Jesus said, is his blood poured out for forgiveness of our sins. Let's drink in remembrance of him. Can I pray for us? Just let me. So Lord Jesus, we're really grateful that, that you would be sin for us so that we could be your righteousness. Father, all day long you hold out your hands to obstinate people who walk in ways that are not good, pursue our own imaginations. Thank you for your favor that all day long you hold out your hands so that people like us come back to you. Thanks for that eternal yes you speak over us. So we echo that back to you in and through Jesus. 
So we pray these things in his name. Amen. So there's this really cool thing. For those of us who are who are saying and receiving, like who are receiving God's yes over us and who are saying it back to him, you have to know this. This is, this is more of that good news. This is part of that. This is the day of God's favor over us. It's in these verses, 2 Corinthians chapter five. It says, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone's in Christ, right? Because in him, the rights, we're the righteousness of God. So if anybody's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. And the new is here. And if you are saying yes to God through Jesus, he fundamentally changes you. You, you are fundamentally changed. You, you were a no towards him and he shifts your heart and you have this new heart that can say yes to him and can walk in this way that, and you are, you are no longer like sin, you are now righteousness of God. You are fundamentally changed. The, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here and it's just, it's something that's worth celebrating that, that he would so fundamentally change you and enable you to see and walk in that way that is good for you, that, it's really cool. And, and you have to hold on to this statement to hear the one that comes next in all of this because it, there's, there's this next thing that's connected to this reconciliation moment it's, it's a little later in these verses. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 20, and down through the end of the chapter to the first couple verses of chapter six. It's the apostle Paul writing this, and these words are to you and me as much as they're to that first audience. We implore you on Christ's behalf. So like, we're just speaking for Jesus. Be reconciled to God. Hear his yes, Say yes back, come back to him, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We've done that, we're reconciled to God. And in the next sentence, as God's coworkers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Okay, so this is a curious statement to me. This is, this is the day of God's favor. Like this, is, this is the day of God's grace. And, and you could receive, I could receive God's grace in a way that is empty, a way that is meaningless. It's not that I'm rejecting God's grace. I can actually receive God's grace, but to do so in a way that's, that it doesn't produce in my life or in the circle of people who are around me, it doesn't produce anything of value from God's perspective. There's a way I could, I could receive his grace in vain. We urge you as God's coworkers not to receive God's grace in vain. And so try to understand that. How, how could I receive God's grace in a way that's empty in my life? Because that doesn't, that doesn't seem to go with, if anyone's in Christ, their, their new creation, the old is gone, the new is here. While that is true, you and I can, we could receive God's grace in a way that, that is empty in our lives. And so 
sorting through all that, I think the answer to, to how that looks or how that could happen to you or to me is a few verses up, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. He, Jesus, died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So, so we receive the grace of God in vain in a way that's empty when we live for ourselves instead of living for Jesus. So let me take you back to my matrix, right? That, those four boxes there. You can be a lifelong believer in Jesus, a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and your life is still all about me and mine. If you, you take a look at, again, if, you're, if your deal looked anything like mine, you take a look at that first box there that I would say urgent and important in my life, it's all about me and mine. It's all about me and mine. And as, as a person who has received the grace of God, I can still live in a way that is all about me and mine. And the truth is, living for me and mine is empty. And if that's you, you don't really need me to tell you that. You already know, because you're experiencing it. Living for me and mine is empty. can receive God's grace and it's like we didn't walk back into him and so there's kind of a, just because we've got this visual, let's just go with it. There's, there's a revision of this that it's where we gotta start, right? So, so it starts with this idea for the urgent and the important thing in our life. This is the first thing. That's, that's really, if you read through 2 Corinthians chapter five into the first part of chapter six, this is, the scripture's holding this out to you. Like this is of first importance to be reconciled to God. This, the other stuff, work, school, family, health, finances, all that stuff, yeah, it's important. But of first importance is to be reconciled to God. And then the second thing is that to be representing Jesus, you know, to like that. And it's just another R word to maybe help us remember some things. So I'm no longer living for myself, but I'm living as the scriptures write, I'm living for the one who died for me and was raised again to give me life. I think this is worth a moment too. Because It's really easy to, to receive the grace of God and let life keep being all about me and mine. And it's really easy to have received the grace of God and like your life drifts back to me and mine. And so, so this moment, 
This moment is for those of us who have said and are saying yes to God through Jesus, to, maybe, to reset some stuff. Maybe you've never reset it. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe you received God's grace you, in Jesus, but you never reset the other stuff. So this is, this is a moment for that, to, to recognize that, oh, yeah, I've been living for me and mine, and God's grace <laughs> blossoms in my life. It, it blooms in my life when I'll live for the one who died for me and lives again. So band's gonna sing again. They're gonna sing a song for us, and you can sing along if you sing, but, but again, this is, this is really a moment for you to ask the Lord, is this, a, am I living about me and mine? And where you are, resetting some of that stuff so that you would, you would live for the one who died for you and lives again. So I wanna pray over us for this moment. This, this could be a generational moment for you. It could change everything for you. It could change the trajectory of your family or future family, grandkids. This, when somebody says, it's just not gonna be about me and mine, it's gonna be about him who died for me. Favor. <laughs> this is the day of God's favor. So let me pray over us. So again, Father, this is, this is the day of your favor. We wanna say yes to your grace. Not in a way that is empty, but in its fullness. This stuff is true. It's true because you said it, but for generations, Christian people have been been testing this statement, finding you to be faithful. So would you, in your kindness, show us where it's, where we're living for ourselves and shepherd us into a yes where you have, you, you have first place, you get first and best of who we are. Thank you that we live in this day of your favor. And again, we ask these things in Jesus' name.